maybe there's something inside of you as you have no choice but to be still that says, I don't know, maybe there's a better way. Maybe instead of fighting my reality, what if I were to just get curious and start to untangle the ball of thread that's rising within me and really start to pull apart like, well, what is the story that I'm telling myself here? You're listening to Eat for Life, the show that aims to help you identify the root causes of what ails you so you can heal and live the life you are meant for. I'm your host, Sammy G. In today's episode, I brought my personal coach back to talk about story, how engaging our story sets us on a path to healing, and how our family of origin plays an integral role in this process. Jean Masukovich is a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher, integrative coach, and spiritual director with over 25 years of experience. Her mission is to guide others to greater mind-body-spirit integration and connection to their authentic self. She cultivates communities of care where individuals and groups heal and share their hearts and stories through movement, creativity, meditation, integrative prayer, and the sacred art of listening. Jean holds a certificate in narrative-focused trauma care from the Allender Center of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. She is passionate about helping all people, young and old, live in peace, flow, and harmony. Welcome back, Jean. Thanks so much for joining me again. I am so excited to have you. Well, thank you. It's such an honor to be here again. Thank you. You know, in episode five, we talked about trauma. We talked about the three centers of intelligence and how we can learn to be more present. We talked about triggers as an invitation to deeper healing. And today I'd like to talk about story and how engaging our stories sets us on a path to healing. Jean, what does it mean to have a story? We are really part of a great big epic story. And that was like a big awakening to me. I think that that is really what started me on my healing journey. I remember being in a Bible study and my spiritual mentor, Sybil Towner, was teaching about story. And it was all like she was just inviting me into a fairy tale. And I was so intrigued and enamored. And I I had no idea I had a story. I, I had no awareness. I mean, I was a mother of four children and I was in survival mode. I had no awareness of story. And it was such a beautiful, glorious invitation. And she basically was just explaining that from the beginning of creation, God has been telling this beautiful love story. And our particular lives, our individual lives, each one of us, our story is intersecting God's greater story. And it it just mm. it just opened my eyes. Like, and I I I didn't know my story. I grew up and there was a lot of trauma. I was the youngest of eleven kids. We didn't read stories. Like I read six stories to my kids every night. I mean, I was always reading to them, but I grew up without story. So I didn't see where my story fit into God's story. But that invitation started me on a story journey where I I participated in a story group and it was called Listen to My Life. And it was a beautiful on-ramp to, to my story, my life now and, and my peaks and my valleys. And 
it was such a beautiful invitation. And then from there, I, I realized I had a lot of trauma. And then I, I started to study with Dan Allender in the Allender Center. I read the book To Be mm. Told. And that really, he said, so take st- seriously the story that God has given you to live. It is time to read your own life because your story is the one that can set us all ablaze. And I just fell out of my chair. I was like, oh, my story really matters. And God's not yeah. done with it. I mean, really what he said was that we get to be co-authors of our story. Like like everything in the backstory, all the parts that we want to keep hidden, it's those wounds that cut the contour of our character that shape us into the act two, which is where we get to redeem and restore and to bring forward the glory of God. And I, I was like, oh gosh, it's a page turn. This is the this is the <laughs> place where the story takes a turn and and I get to be a part of it. I'm no longer this, this character in the background. I'm the co-author. I have a pen in my hand. I get to choose. And it was so amazingly invigorating to know that that I was part of something much bigger and what was I was being invited to was a love story and a and a very good story. Now more than ever engaging our stories is is so important. We talked in the last episode about collective trauma and how all of our trauma is coming up right now because of this pandemic. So this invitation and this offer to start thinking about our stories and that we all have a beautiful love story that's not over yet. I know so many of us are feeling, you know, maybe lesser than or feel, feeling helpless and hopeless. And and I just feel like this is such a, a beautiful opportunity to go deeper with story and and how you just beautifully described it. I'm curious, Jean, how does our family of origin impact our story? And why are those early years when our brains are still forming so critical to how we perceive the world? When we're young and we're forming our primary attachments and we're really um, just trying to make meaning of our world, you know, I think the young brain is so wide open and we're just taking it all in. I think we, if you look at a baby, they come into the world just full of glory. They have no fear. They have no need to control. They are just pure love and, and they bring it generously and there's no hoarding or contracting they're just pure and then pain enters it's so unfortunate because you know if you look at the the studies on attachment like even the greatest parents fail in their attunement i think 50 to 80% of the time and that's that's heartbreaking mm-hmm. you know as a parent i fail my kids every single day and I, and it breaks my heart because i know so much <laughs> about attunement and attachment and all these things and yet i'm still failing left and right and so i think when you look at the family of origin these are where we start to get our first narratives we know the roles that we are are supposed to play. I mean, there are stories that are told to us both overtly and covertly, both implicitly and explicitly. I mean, that is spoken and unspoken. It is, it's 
we take it in. Like we as young people have eyes and hearts wide open and, and, and some people are super sensitive. So they feel everything in the family and they take that in. And some people's minds are brilliant and trying to put things together. And some people's bodies are just moving into it all. So I think the family of origin shapes that contour of our character. These are the themes and the patterns that we are born into. I mean, a lot of our stories are our collective, you know, your granddaddy's granddaddy's granddaddy did this. <laughs> yes. Do it too. You know, and yes. saying it, or, you know, you're going to eat every pea on your plate, or you're not going <laughs> up from that table. Like that, they're just saying that because that's what their dad said to them when they went. <laughs> yes. And so, I think so much of the idea of story and your family of origin is really about awareness. It's starting to learn that, that when our brain was taking shape, we, bought the story hook, line, and sinker. We had no choice but to believe the stories that were being fed to us. But what's so beautiful is that as adults, that we have the power to choose. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you're talking about what's happening now globally. You might want to react the way that you saw your mom or dad react in crisis. And, Mm. And maybe there's something inside of you as you have no choice but to be still that says, maybe there's a better way. Maybe instead of fighting my reality, what if I were to just get curious and start to untangle the ball of thread that's rising within me and and really start to pull apart like, well, what is the story that I'm telling myself here? I think sometimes when we get triggered, we go back and we revert to these younger parts of us. And, oh, absolutely. Yes. And then we judge that. Yes. Instead of being kind and curious, I remember when my sister passed away, I was in such horrific grief. I mean, I really felt like somebody put me in a big, dark hole and I couldn't see and I couldn't move. And I was so trapped in my darkness that I, I was... I was paralyzed in my grief. And then on top of it, I would poke my head out of the hole and I would cry out for help and people wouldn't respond the way I needed them to respond. And what happened was I I had all this shame around my need. And I, I remember coming to this aha moment and saying, my grief is not the problem, but the way I judge the grief is the problem. And so I would say the stories and the patterns and the themes that were given to you through your childhood, that's not the problem. But the way you take the hook and conform Mm. and become complicit Mm. is a problem. And so I would say, and the way you judge yourself for the way that you take the hook and do the thing that you were trained to do, that's the problem. And so I think it's really about just unhooking when you're in that fight, flight, or freeze and getting still and saying, okay, what is the story I'm telling myself? And is there a truer truth? Is there an invitation to a larger story? And a greater truth. Yes. Wow. That is so powerful, Jean. As someone that has struggled with great shame throughout my life, And also to have a lot of shame around my need just for support and love and guidance and protection. You know, protection, as you know, is a big part of my story or lack thereof. That is such a powerful statement. For me, I decided to engage my story with you specifically because the eyes that were meant to see me missed me. 
I really needed to understand my negative emotions and how they were connected to the devastation in my heart. I also needed to honestly name how my heart had been harmed, especially in my early years when I had been abused by a family member. In fact, one of my stories, and I know you've already heard this one, but I'll just share this with those listening. One of my stories is that when I was growing up, there was always this joke that I was adopted because I was different from the rest of my family. And I'm, I'm clearly not adopted because I look so much like my dad. The adopted, you know, quote, joke wasn't something that was just said once or twice. It was something that was said to me over a period of years. And anytime I would express hurt or frustration over this so-called joke, I was met with, you're just too sensitive, or don't be like that, or you're just overreacting. So because I was dismissed so often growing up, and my needs weren't validated, feeling like I don't belong or fit in is a big part of my story. And of course, there's a lot of shame around that, because when you ask for what you need and you're dismissed or someone is outright just blatantly hateful towards you, we immediately go to, I'm bad, I'm wrong, and develop a lot of shame around, like you said, the need. Shame around the need just to be seen and heard and validated for the way that I, I was feeling. What you said was just so powerful. And, and this is one of many stories that I have. We all have so many stories like this. And it's actually in these kind of covert stories that that we find that there's a lot of hurt and, and shame and where our heart has been assaulted. Covert and overt abuse, we'll be addressing those topics in, in later episodes. But I really think that with regard to judging our grief as a problem and again, shame around need, it, it, it's important that we're, we're aware of these. I just yeah. want to thank you for sharing that piece of your story. And it really is heartbreaking, Sam, to think that, you know, you were fed a narrative that you are adopted, that you do not belong. And that was, that was evil's plot to keep you separate from love. And evil uses people, people who are broken and wounded to really do its work in the world. And, and when you were little, you didn't have enough awareness or enough tools or enough power to say that's not true. And so even if there was a part of you that knew it wasn't true, when you get told something over and over and over enough, you know, it's better to just agree and to go along to get along. And so, yes. and there's a part of us that becomes complicit that we, we join with the evil storyteller and we believe these lies that are handed down to us. And, and as your family dismissed you in your need, I think the greater tragedy is when you dismissed yourself along with them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that is, it, you know, there's just layers of tragedy as you explain how they set you up and then they dismissed you. And then the most tragic piece where you agreed, where you really became complicit with those lies that that your needs don't matter and you don't deserve to be seen and cared for and loved. And so I just want to thank you for sharing that story with me. And I'm so sorry for the way that the enemy has kept you bound to the to that lie that your needs aren't aren't worthy of being seen and cared for. 
Mm, thank you. I, I really appreciate that affirmation and that support. I will say the story work and the ability to go deeper and understand all these things that, that you just described, I never thought it, it was possible to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast to begin with, I know that so many people out there are suffering and they don't understand why. I'm so glad that you said that because I think it's, it's powerful for people to hear how these covert narratives impact us, impact uh, our hearts, impact our, our spirits, our souls on so many different levels, impact our relationships in our lives. I, I know I've experienced that in so many ways because so many people are, are walking around terrified and not really understanding why. And then as a result, living in denial and avoidance, I think we can all relate to that to, to one extent or another. I, I'm curious, Jean, what are some things that people can do to begin engaging their story as a way to start the healing process? I think just even starting to get language and knowing that we have a story, that we are storied people, that we have a great big epic story. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end to each of our lives, and that we are part of a much larger narrative. And so just to even acknowledge that, I mean, I, I shared that I w went to this Listen to My Life retreat, and I remember, you know, starting to awaken to the idea that I had a story. And so it was a weekend-long, deep, intensive work around story. And what it felt like that it's like I pulled Pandora's box out from under my bed. And for a weekend, I had all these people who were speaking the same language and everybody was doing the work and it just felt so liberating. And then I went home and I got blindsided because mm, yes. it was like, it was like all of this stuff got unpacked. And then I was like, Oh, quick, we got to burn the box, get rid of that story, get, go back and go back mm. and go back. I mean, when I started working with Dan Allender and the Allender center, He's like, you've fallen into Alice's rab rabbit hole. There's the only way out is through, my friends. Once you awaken to the truth that you have a story, it, there's you have no other choice but to begin to mine your story for yes. what is true and what is false. What are the themes and the patterns that I've come to believe that yes. are no longer serving me? And, and it's, I think it's just starting to take a step back and become an observer. And where am I playing small and where am I playing a victim? And where am I, where am I moving and fighting against my reality? There is a quote and I feel sad because I don't know who wrote it. I found it in my journal and I, I don't believe I wrote it, but it's, it is such a profound quote that I think is, is really an invitation. And it says, when we lose hold of our story, we lose our identity. And when we lose hold of each other, we lose our humanity. And so mm. what I think is so important is to just take a hold of your story, your personal life, and start to get curious. Instead of judging the way you are and why you do the things you do, can you take a step back from that judgment and say, huh, I wonder. I wonder why when somebody confronts me, I lose my language and have nothing to say. If you take a look back at your story and it's like, well, uh, as the youngest of 11 children, I lost my voice very early. If you look at the way that we can react to trauma, you know, there's the fight, like I'm going to fight against what you say. Well, when you're a tiny person with 10 bigger people, like 
I couldn't fight. I was under undermanned. I, I there was no way I could fight against the cultural narratives and the familial narratives. There, I had no fight in me, and it's not my nature. I'm very much of a a loving. I want to stay connected no matter what. So I never learned to fight for myself. Well, the other response would be to to flee. I'm just going to run from you. I'm going to run from this dysfunction. Well, yes. when you're little and you can't run because they'll catch you. Sometimes you might flee and run into your head and you start telling yourself different stories and you get trapped into the web of story in your brain and you never get out of it. That's kind of what trauma does. And but I I I learned to freeze because if I could play dead like a possum, oftentimes people would miss me instead of causing me torment and pain. I was still enough to not catch their attention. And so maybe they would pick on somebody else. And so I think it's learning to notice why you do, or notice the things you do. And instead of judging it as bad, starting to get curious is like, well, I wonder why I do this. And then really bringing just profound kindness to yourself and the way that you learn to survive. We each have coping mechanisms. We all have strategies to survive in the world. And again, this goes back to the Enneagram too. They're very particular to our personality types that we all have ways of making it in the world. And instead of judging it and hating what is, it's like, how do we bless it and honor it and say, yes, I go to sleep and praise God that I was able to sleep through some of it. And I'm ready to wake up and I'm ready to fight again. I'm ready to put down my weapons that kept me alive and start to learn a new dance and start to learn that there is a bigger story and I don't have to fight through it, but I get to expand and open and move into it with a sense of ease and wonder and joy, knowing that there is a truer truth. There's a larger narrative. And I am being called to start writing my story, to start choosing the life that is truly life and to start listening to the voice of love in those places where I'm under assault, where I'm feeling accused. Whose voice is that? If it's not the voice of love, you no longer have power over me. I renounce you. And, the, and what does the voice of love say? The voice of love says, oh, you are hurting. You need care. You are worthy of mm, exactly. Yes. Win. How do you, how do you move toward that truth that you are worthy, that you belong, that you have the power to choose and that you are born to make manifest the glory of God? Mm, wow. That is so beautiful, Jean. Mm. I just love how people can take a, a tragedy in, in their story or tragedies, plural, and look at it in a different way. Not that it's easy. This process isn't easy. You and I both know this. I mean, I, there have been so many times where you and I have been in session and I've been bawling my eyes out or angry or all, all the range of emotions. This process is hard, but I do believe that there is, there's a resurrection that occurs as a result of staying in that valley because in that valley is where all that darkness is and all that hurt is and all that pain is and the ability to acknowledge it and utilize it, transmute it for for seeing what the truth is, because that's what we're talking about here. And that's what God is. God is truth. Mm -hmm. There's so much oppression that happens, unfortunately. We see this in the church. There's so much oppression everywhere, really, all over the world. But if we can see and acknowledge 
that God really stands for the truth is the truth, and we can always be looking to Him. It, it's such a, a powerful, transformative process. So again, Jean, I'm so grateful to have you and thank you again for your beauty and your kindness and your wisdom and your knowledge in this area of healing. I I just so appreciate you, Jean. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you. And it's just, it's really an honor just to be able to share a little bit of the truth, really. Engaging your story is a powerful pathway to healing. It impacts your heart, your spirit, and your DNA. You can find Jean at SoThat.com. That's S-O-W-T-H-A-T dot com. Don't miss an episode of Eat for Life. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player.